Anna, tell us, a, yeah. tell us a bit about yourself, a bit about your background. That bit can be really long and really short because uh, I've been working in HR for 20 years, so I'm not going into detail about this. <laughs> but uh, basically, I was fortunate that my first job ever was in a tech startup. Uh, it was definitely the, it was the week of their IPO. Um, we called it new economy back then when <laughs> it was a startup. Yeah. And I was thrown into recruiting and I kind of I, I kind of figured out that this is what I want to do for the rest of my career. So the other day I had to reflect on employee experience because I was running a masterclass on employee experience, right? And I thought about what are the moments that matter because this is a new thing, right? 2019, we talked about experiences when employees and candidates, whatever, and the mm-hmm. moments that matter. And, all, and I was thinking about the moments in my 20 years of professional career where that matter to me just where I was either part of a great culture or not and why that was. And when I thought back about this, there were moments where I was at a, at a turning point where I struggled with my role, where I struggled personally and different moments that just happen over the course of 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I, um, I was pregnant when I was still probation period and just started this new exciting job. But I had like two months in, I had to go to my boss and say, oh, well, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm pregnant. Didn't plan for that, but it's what it is. And I was afraid of yeah. this moment uh, because I didn't know what he would say because he would probably be very angry or whatever. And he literally stood up and gave me a hug and said, oh, this is so great. I'm so Aww. happy for you and everything. Yeah. And there was a mo- there was a couple of moments like this, good or bad ones. Anyways, when I thought back about this, I thought the moments that matter to me is where I felt that I matter to my bosses. Mm-hmm. And it's very basic. And none of them ever had an idea about the concept of employee experience or moments that matter uh, or culture. They never had trainings on this. They were just genuinely good human beings. And they mm. were just kind. And they just were concerned about the people that they were in charge of. Um, mm-hmm. And I think... The baseline maybe might be just this. If you select your leadership right and if you equip them with the right self-awareness, conscientiousness, uh, coaching, mentoring, and all they need to really excel in their roles as being in charge of people, then Mm -hmm. all the other concepts that you can get out out of the books and from thought leaders across across the world might be helpful, but they they don't turn the needle. What does turn the needle is if you have a thorough selection process for the leaders because I also ultimately think that you join a company because there's someone that you like there that you would mm-hmm. be working with very closely and most likely this will statistically it will be your boss because yep. that's the person in, char- in charge of that you join them you hear stories across all startups where people just join there because they knew someone there that said oh I met this new startup it's so cool do you want to come over mm-hmm. informal job search is by by far statistically the most most qualitatively source for finding a new fulfilling role that you want to retain. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's about the people. And this might sound really, really simple. Mm-hmm. But as I said, I think that it's about this. is Do you have the right people in charge of other people that um, share a, a set of behaviors and rules and values that they also signal at every moment to all the employees, even at mm-hmm. those moments you can't never prepare for, um, where you just have to rely on your inner radar or compass or whatever of values, right? Mm-hmm. Some, someone would come up to you and say, look, I have this issue. Someone is falling sick in my family to take time off. I need to reduce work hours, whatever things. Just mm-hmm. be good at that, at that moment. Just be generally authentically good at this moment. I tell my team as well, you know, we're not just here to, to ask people to, to do a good job. We're here to also grow great people. Um, 
exactly. hopefully, you know, hopefully they stay here and grow here. But, you know, I think we, this is how you can actually make an impact on the world outside by by mm-hmm. helping people to become better people. And then they go mm-hmm. out and they, they are nicer to other people out there or they go and, and they come uh, back and they refer exactly. other people to you. Yeah, it's, it's a tit for tat thing, right? If you're nice yeah. to people, I mean, you probably you asked me about book re- recommendations, right? So mm-hmm. if if you have read Adam Grant's Give and Take book, that's obviously something that is along that, right? Where mm-hmm. you're either a giver, you're a taker, or you're a matcher in between, but you can't decide to become transform yourself into a giver if you're if you're born a taker. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if you're a giver and you just want to support people around you you want to give something that is of value to them that you have to them and whichever this could be an emotion it could be knowledge it could be just time uh, it could be resources doesn't matter but if you're a giver you're potentially the better leader i guess mm-hmm. if you're yeah. a taker then there's only few organizations where this will work and most yeah. it will be very toxic I also, another book that I read recently, which is very anecdotal, makes a great Christmas gift for all non-HR leaders in your organization. It's called The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. Oh, yes, Coyer. I read that one. Yeah, right? it's it's, it's um, Yeah, it's really nice. Written, it's full of anecdotes. And you remember this story about um, the NBA coach who yes. had this mantra that was just filling up the cups of his teams, right? Making sure mm-hmm. that they recover from from losses that they're that they're good that they're energized that they feel as you said psychologically safe mm-hmm. um under high stress mm-hmm. and this is all that he worked on and he did have different tactics in order to do so so i don't think it, it's i do think it's really valuable to give those tactics to a leader and inspire them with things that they could do like the little hacks that they can apply how do they send signals what is feedback actually is this instruction or is this feedback mm-hmm. right and give them the guidance and methodologies they need to really do their job. But it, first and foremost, you need to select the people that are actually equipped personally to, to do that and who really thrive from it. If you, because, for example, I was in charge of people and I hated it because it takes energy of mm. me, literally. It, it, yeah. it drains me because I hate being in charge of people. I don't know mm. why that is. I can't change this. I could potentially build up coping strategies and be in charge of people again. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it would be for to anyone's benefit in yeah. the long run. But I think the fact that you're honest about that, right, and authentic to yourself, it probably draws even people think you you have those leadership skills because I think the authenticity is a major part of it and knowing yourself, right. So I, and I think. Uh, I, I work with a lot of leaders who actually we had an offsite here uh, last week and most people said they were um, introverts, right? And that, yeah. that it does drain them and it does take their energy. And, you know, people are thinking maybe I need to go into become an expert in something and rather than, than lead exactly. people. But uh, yeah, and, and uh, that was it, it's good to, to be honest about this, because I think, um, you know, you, you need to also be happy and, and understand what, what makes you happy and, and what drives you. Um, exactly. And it starts with yourself, right? Because the reason I think why I loathe being in charge of people, because it also includes to some extent that you need to tell them what to do, give Mm -hmm. them instructions of some sort, maybe even good ones, but give them direction. Mm -hmm. So on the flip side, instruction would be direction or vice versa. But anyways, give them guidance. Mm -hmm. And I hate being given guidance. I'm a very autonomous and independence driven person. I hate when people tell me what to do. I give you a very simple example. I love cooking. I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with buying cookbooks. I read them front to back. Mm-hmm. I never stick to the recipe. <laughs> is, 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 is that OCD? 
I hate when people tell me how much specific grams of butter I should include in that. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah, if I, I tweak this? Yeah. What if, what if Nigel Slater is wrong about this, right? You're so an what innovator. If, that's yeah, why. exactly. No, I'm a disruptor. I'm I'm very yeah. disobedient also, which is probably all the same things. <laughs> Anyways, so if you were to tell me what to do, I would I would probably if I don't respect you on top, mm-hmm. I would probably not do it, right? Yeah. And this is why on on the reverse, I hate giving instructions to other people because I assume that they're as much as as that type that I am, mm-hmm. and that they would probably as a default hate being given instructions. I do love to educate people and I do love to share know-how. This is what I genuinely love doing, but I don't like telling people what to do nine to five. Like as in, when you come into the office, this is how you do this and this is what you do there and this is where you click. This is what I what I loathe. And this is also part of leadership. And there's people who like that. Yeah. Who people who also like to receive orders. Then they like to give orders. And as I said, it always starts with knowing more about yourself, which never hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, being more self-aware about your strength, uh, whichever way you come about those. But this mm-hmm. is where you know, do you have the capabilities and the potential of what it takes to be a manager or a leader or not? And it's it should be cool if you're not. If you're opting out of that leadership path, it should be cool with any organization. And this is where organizations then struggle because there's only one way up, be in charge of people. So what is your path to learning and building up skills because it could be being in a room with other people reading books podcasts trying them it doesn't matter what is your format and how you learn what mm. comes to you and the second part would be what are you curious about because i'm 100 percent sure you can't build up skills of things that you're not generally curious about mm-hmm. i'm super shy at math <laughs> because i just don't it's just don't get it right it yeah. doesn't come i could probably be a bit better at math if I wanted to, if I'm really obsessed about it, but it doesn't come natural to me. Although on the other side, there's more things that come natural to me that I'm really curious about. And Mm. I find myself doing like late night research things where I'm just going deep dive into stuff that I just, Mm. I'm excited about. So it would require that you also have this. And then also I think you should, you should have a room in which you grow in order to do that. You need to take the time to do it. Yeah, it's very, very inspiring talking to you, actually. I think that baseline is, uh, if you're in HR, also, I think that you need to be obsessed about various things. You need to be really eclectic with your learning, right? Yeah. So maybe there's something to learn from books uh, that are full of recipes, but there's also so many other things that you need to look at in HR. So I'm reading this Ben Horowitz book at the moment, this um, What You Do Is Who You Are, which is which is interesting, but <laughs> it's very good um, because what I like about it is he brings in like things from history. For example, he tells the story of someone who went to prison and um, became the gang leader in prison and then basically... Um, change the whole culture of this prison gang so that they when they leave they help to reform communities and things like this and then um so he he tells these different stories and then and sort of tells about um real people and historical figures and uh, in genghis khan is one that he talks about a lot in there and then sort of says well what lessons can be learned from these things for modern day companies uh it's so it's quite interesting little it's a kind of a different take on on those things so i i like i'm liking it so far i'm i'm sort of like or three quarters through at the moment. I have one for you in return, which I was really excited about. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm totally obsessed with anything Malcolm Gladwell, but Mm -hmm. I've just listened to his audio book, Talking to Strangers. So he's reading it himself, which is also uh, another day of fun. Yeah. This is so good. There's so many good things about in this book that I'm going to listen to it twice, I think, um, because it's so full of stories and anecdotes. And it's just the way he compiles those stories is really... 
yeah. it really sticks. And then you uh, anecdotes are great because you can memorize and share them, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, it's always nice to have those those sorts of yeah things to take away for sure. Throw them in at dinner parties or business meetings. Yeah. yeah one <laughs> no, one I wanted to yeah one yeah. I wanted to throw in actually when you were talking about leadership. One I I don't know where I picked this up. But I heard it or read it recently, and it's been in my head. I've been saying it a lot in the last week. But like <laughs> the best the best leaders um stand in front of their team when there's uh, trouble, and uh, stand behind their team when things are going good. And that was quite it was quite nice. I thought um, when you were talking about leadership, I was thinking about it, and it's kind of um, that's that's a nice one that I've been saying recently. So now that's off my chest. It's out there in the world. That's good. No, but it's a great one, and I think this is exactly what you need to do. You need to equip your leaders with all those thoughts and inspire inspire them with all those hacks and and tweaks and what they can do in order to be also seen as the leader that they want to become. Because you can't just you're not, I mean, there's obviously people who claim that you can be born a leader. I think that, yeah, you can have the potential to be a great leader, but then you still need the methodologies, the training, the coaching, and all those things around it to be really good at it. Because the worst leaders are those that have a different perception of who they are than the one that we have of them when we see them Mm -hmm. from the outside, right? So I think making them more aware uh, and in the know of what what they're good at and what they can and, and, and striving um, mm-hmm. is most important part, maybe also of HR. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'd love to pick your brains on on what you think, like what you see as the the best innovations or the best things that are happening in HR tech and things like this. But maybe that not a lot of companies are catching up on, or yeah, anything on your mind in that area at the moment? Yeah, and there's a couple of um, very unsupported, very personal, very subjective, non-scientifically proven predictions. I was I have for 2020. Uh, I also shared them at at some events recently. Um, One of which would be that I think that next year is to come um, as the global talent scarcity will be even more challenging. Uh, We need to figure out ways to build up better talent pools and create better internal mobility. because it also starts with the question, this is also my second thing, is that we need to be more obsessed about the skills that we have in our company. Mm-hmm. We should be more obsessed with knowing and detecting them and in mm-hmm. real time. And this is where technology be, can be your, your friend, where you need to find ethical manners in order to know what's this Stephen actually aware of? Mm-hmm. What does he, what's the skills that he's building up and how, how can we use them? And what might be his next skill? And what mm-hmm. are the skills that he has, but we don't care about and he doesn't care about anymore and all those things. So I think that skill detection is another thing that I see more of because as said, technology is, is here, someone, something that is helping us to, to build up those skill ontologies and whatever. Mm-hmm.